This is the Teacher Mindset Coach Podcast, episode number 46. Hey, teachers, welcome to the podcast where we do the hard work to uplevel ourselves and have fun along the way. I'm your host, Ashley Wolf, and I'm here to help you rock your world with mindset stories, strategies, and skills that you've probably never been taught before. Let's do the damn thing. Hello, this is a continuation of episode number 45, Success Toxicity. Please enjoy. Oh, and if you haven't listened to episode number 45, Success Toxicity Part 1, I highly encourage you to start there. Enjoy. Back to Success Toxicity. When I was really thinking of what my definition of this is, um, outside of the article that I found, and I will go to this article in just a moment because it really is good, but the way I define success toxicity is the net negative commitment to a definition of success that excludes the positive byproducts that come from failure because of this flawed but systemic notion that failure is bad. Failure will only harm us and failure will ruin our futures. So think on that for just a second. So success toxicity has a net negative result, meaning overall, it's actually bringing us down. And there's this commitment that each of us is going to have a little bit different um, views or definitions, but it's a commitment to a definition that success doesn't include failure. And to me, if we get out of, if we get into more of a wholesome definition of success, it will absolutely include failure. So I I think a lot of like little kids in a daycare playing together, or even my son, when he's like setting up his action figures in a certain pose, like his action figures fall over and fall over and fall over, but he just like doesn't make a big deal out of it. He just stands it back up. He adjusts the feet. He goes to find the little stand with the little peg in it that you stick to the bottom of one of the heels of his action figures so that it can stand. Like all of those little tiny failures are part of what what makes him improve as a kid who can set up a lot of action figures into really cool poses and I mean, just yesterday, he and I were creating these little, well, he did most of it because I honestly was doing my diamond dots. Um, He created these environments for all of his Bakugans and he was like setting them all up. And I think that these tiny failures, even if they're like, you can totally miss them in the blink of an eye. These tiny failures are what builds our success. So going back to a wholesome definition of, of success wholesome means it includes the failures too as an accepted and opportunity to celebrate as an accepted part of success. So when we exclude failure, when we say things like failure isn't an option, I mean, what kind of bullshit is that y'all? I think, I think that society is starting to realize and I am crossing my fingers and toes as I say this, I think that society is starting to realize that failure is part of success, but we still have this resistance to it. 
thanks a lot, public education there, I said it, because of failing grades and like what we're brought up to believe about failing grades is like something to be um, shameful about, something that just brings out the worst in us, something that shows us all of our flaws, instead of an opportunity to say, but you know what, this is what I did do. So, but again, this is mindset. This is what we are up against. We meaning teachers, we meaning parents, we can start in our own families, we can start in our own classrooms, and we can start in our own minds. That's what I really believe to be true. So when we think failure is bad, when we think failure should be avoided, when we think failure is only going to harm us, of course, our definition of success will exclude failure. But failure is inevitable. I think just like last week, I mentioned growth is inevitable, because failure is when the growth happens. There's a great quote, oh, I can't remember who said it. But it's learning is in the struggle. Learning is in the struggle. And I don't think that's an absolute truth. But boy, does it shed light on a lot of the human experience. If we hadn't invented the wheel, because of the struggle to carry huge and heavy loads, then where would we be? If we hadn't invented fire in order to cook food to nourish our bodies, where would we be? The learning is in the struggle. It goes back to a survivalistic standpoint of the caveman days. And I think it's linked to the way we have grown and evolved as a species. And when you think about it, animals struggle too, and then they find solutions. I mean, we could talk about how, you know, chimpanzees and apes and all of this find ways to make tools. Um, and I think it's just as amazing the way brains work. So success toxicity might also be why some teachers go through so much emotional turmoil when things, quote, aren't working out with student performance. Um, you know, it's like the teacher's performance is failing because the test scores aren't where somebody said they should be. Then we get to the conversation of like developmentally inappropriate curriculum coming from the teachers. And I get it, y'all. I've been there too. But it's like an attempt to feel validated and to feel better about the job that we have already done that is reflected in the current test scores. So we start to blame but what if we could feel better about the job that we're doing, regardless of the progress monitoring scores, regardless of the test scores, regardless of the final exams and the end of course exams and the standardized testing in April and May? Like, what if we could feel better? I'm not saying perfect. What if we could feel better about the job we've done as teachers? Because we have gotten out of this success toxicity mindset, like perfect or nothing, all or nothing. Failure is not an option. Success is the only way. Like if, if success is the only way, then I challenge you to include failure as part of that picture of success. So what I'm noticing teachers are doing is it's like when we're going through these testing times of the school year, and of course, we're at the BOI, like the beginning of year testing where we're seeing the lows mixed in with the highs and a lot of the middles. And if your default, which it was my default as well as a teacher, because when I was new to teaching, I was surrounded by seasoned teachers. And whenever they would bring up the, you know, 
these are the kids who have a long ways to go. It would be with this, like, I can't believe they're that low type of attitude instead of, well, this is, isn't this our job? Like, um, this is why we're here. Like, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm supposed to help students. And, and it'll be great to see how far they've come at the end of the school year. Like, this is, this is pretty awesome. But I think it's pretty rare that teachers have that attitude without working on it first. So when we're looking at student data, student results in the beginning of the year, end of the year, middle of the year, there is a potential to like totally beat the crap out of ourselves as teachers for the students who aren't making the mark, aren't meeting the mark, aren't getting masters, whatever. So I'm not suggesting that teachers defer to toxic positivity here. Like I mentioned earlier, if a student is failing and you have a thought about it that makes you feel terrible, it's only an invitation to like pause and pay attention to what's going on in your mind. It could be that the thoughts that come up to you that are on autopilot and well-practiced are, you know, they're, they're just not very supportive of how you want to show up right now. So a, a few examples could be, I'm not a good teacher, or they're just not able to learn, or I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to teach this kid. I've tried everything. Well, they're on their own. If they're not getting it by now, I can't help them. I'm not cut out for this. Or I should have tried harder. So for a person who speaks kindly about themselves first, then about their students, speaking kindly about their students, maybe the thoughts are constructive, such as, This is just part of their growth. Them being at a failing grade right now is part of their growth. They're on the trajectory. Their growth is inevitable. Or maybe they're starting to catch on. We look at the past evidence from the beginning and we say, wow, they were just at a 25% in this category in August. Now it's December and they're already at 50%. That's pretty amazing. Or look at what they've done already. I know they're not passing yet, but I'm confident that they will next time or the time after that. I know I'm doing the best I can, and I will keep doing the best I can. I want to pause here and say like, you know what, teachers, it's totally fine for you to say to yourself that you are doing your best. Like, I think that almost might be like a faux pas. Like if your students aren't 100% passing, it is then not okay for a teacher to say, I'm doing my best. You know who who allows you to say that you're doing your best? You. Student data is not the reason why you can say or not say that you're doing your best. Another supportive thing that someone could say to themselves, even after seeing a failing grade is, I have faith in my students. Much like I was trying to, you know, show my son that I've got faith and belief in him even if he makes a 20 on his spelling test, I still have faith in him. Another thing that you can say, and this is super simple, but very powerful. It's okay. So I see that four of my students are failing on this progress monitoring for this specific uh, time period for testing. It's okay. I mean, the opposite, it's not okay. And what kind of feeling does that generate? Truly think about that. Another one that's supportive, this will give me really good insight on some new things I can try in the classroom 
Or we can say, I can collaborate with some other teachers to focus in on these areas that need growth. We can say, hey, this will be fun. And not like, well, this will be fun. Like, really, this will be fun. This is why I signed up as a teacher. Here's my challenge. Challenge accepted. I'm up for it. That's what I'm here for. So to this article that I found on Idaho Ed, what is it? IdahoEdNews.org. I, um, I want to talk about the, this just a tad. So it, it uses the term toxic productivity where a student, a teacher connects their worth as a person or professional to the output or productivity that they create. For students, it's not just passing grades, but perfect grades. That's the toxic side of productivity. So are, are you already envisioning a student in your mind's eye, like who they don't want passing grades, they want perfect grades. And usually in the elementary world, it's because their parents are, or their teachers could be like, well, you got an 85, but mm, it's not a 100. Like, Notice the immediacy with which the negative is brought up instead of like, hey, 85, this is what I tell students, like 85, that's a solid grade. That's solid. Even as the librarian, because y'all, the students will at times, it is rare, but at times the students will bring up to me as the librarian that they got an 85 and they have a negative connotation to it. It's usually the fifth and sixth graders. It's not necessarily the younger, the younger ones. But I'll say to them, because they're looking for some sort of positivity in their life, I believe. They got an 85. And I'll tell them, dude, that's a solid grade. You passed. Now, I wouldn't say to a kid like, ah, 71, solid grade. But here's, you know, what I wonder, why not? Maybe they got a zero last time. Looking at the growth is something that I think a lot of us are getting better and better at. And you're probably really good at it anyways as a teacher. So for teachers, toxic productivity could be the creation of a perfect class of students who all not only meet the mark, but achieve the highest honors. In Texas, with star testing, there is uh, meets and masters. And for the most part, it's not really an expectation to have 100% of students mastering the star test category, but it sure is an expectation for all of the students to meet the standard. So the question is, for all of us teachers, what do we make it mean about ourselves as people and ourselves as professionals when students fail. Like I mentioned earlier, you may have never sat down and really noticed the practiced phrases that go through your mind when you see that some of your students have failed. So maybe it's time to really get curious and start noticing that. As the teacher mindset coach, I am on a mission to help teachers understand their motivations, their actions, and their emotional experience through the practice of noticing their thought patterns. Because to me, it all begins with a thought. We may not know what it is, and that's okay. This is the beginning of our work. And trust me, I've 
been there. I've been in the place where all I do is feel overwhelmed and I beat myself up for not being a perfect teacher and I didn't know what to do other than look for a different (laughs) career path. But now that I've found out how much of an inside job this is for me to really work on my thoughts and my thinking and my beliefs, my career and my experience as a teacher and as a librarian has done a 180. And now it's like, there are days when I can't wait to get to work. I mean, sure, there's days where I'm like, but there's, those were so rare. The days where I'm like, I can't wait to get to work were so rare. Just three short years ago, like back in 2018, 19, I was dreading going to work most days. And I was already a librarian at that point. So it can't even be like the conversation of, um, oh, well, you are a librarian. You don't have classroom. You don't have all the, it's like, no, 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 no. I was dreading going to work even as a librarian. So I've done the work on myself and I continue to do the work on myself, my mindset, so that I love being at work most of the time. It's not all the time. It's not perfect, but that's what I'm on a mission to help you with. If you're going through times where you dread going to work most of the time and you just can't put your finger on the problem because maybe you've tried moving grade levels or moving campuses and that shit just didn't work because you still feel like crap. That's what I'm here to help you work on. Since almost all of us can relate to the experience of Uh, students who are failing, we can certainly wait for the next time that this happens in our profession, because we kind of know that it's going to happen, to get more curious about what goes through our head in these moments. Just kind of circling back to the whole point of this episode, (laughs) especially when we think that there's pressure involved. As the librarian, I don't take grades. I tell kids all the time that they have options in the library. In other words, they have freedom in the library. I don't require anything except that they only check out one graphic novel. (laughs) Um, In other words, like I take the pressure off of them from sticking to a certain guideline for the books that they want to check out. I'm not checking the reading level or the Lexile level for every single person. But I sure do put the pressure on them to act right in the library. I expect them to act right with themselves, with others, and with the books. This is what we practice all the time. And I reward them greatly (laughs) with makerspace days after they've earned enough points to get one. All this to say, I think summing up this success toxicity is that are we open to accepting failures as a part of our success? And if we're not, are we ready to at least try to think about, you know, failure being a part of life and a part of our success? And are you willing to practice your triggered thought, your automatic thought to not be a negatively laced, snarky comment about to yourself even about how you just didn't do good enough. Because if you're saying that to yourself, I almost want to offer that it could be time to think and really wonder, is that coming through to your students as well? 
I really have to watch this with my son because I don't take grades in my profession anymore, but I do have a son who is now bringing home grades. I really have to watch that with my own comments and my own thinking about my son because the subconscious teardown of a person's psyche, especially young people from the adults in their lives, from the leaders in their lives, from the teachers in their lives. We're walking a very thin line between self-loathing and self-celebration when we use grades connected to a person's worth. And success toxicity really brings in a person's worth tied to their grades. So let's be gentle, let's be aware, and let's be the adults who can see the growth, the opportunity, and the positive and what's to celebrate about every situation. Just like a one-to-one match, one positive for one negative. It doesn't have to be overly positive, but let's not get comfortable with it being overly negative either. All right, friends, I will see you next week. Please rate and review the podcast, especially if this has helped you think differently in a certain way and uh, feel free to reach out. I will see you next week. Bye. If you got something out of today's show, I invite you to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. I'd also love to see you in the Teacher Mindset Coach Facebook group so we can nerd out on mindset work as a community of badass teachers. And remember, you can always email me at coachwithwolf, W-O-L-F-E, at gmail.com. Now go be awesome. See you next time.